This is calamitous. I can't believe that I'm causing this much, this much chaos. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll keep my hands to myself. I'm not going to do a single thing. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Super Byron Podcast. After an extensive delay, the Bundesliga finally makes its return this weekend, and Bayern Munich resumed their campaign on Sunday, traveling to Union Berlin. The rest of the season may be played without fans in the stadium, but that does not mean it will be without intrigue. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm here to talk about Bayern's return to action and give a brief update on the squad heading into this busy period with my friends Garrett Kerber. Hello, everybody. Tim Richards. Hello there. And Sebastian Zimmerman. I, like I said, guys, the Bundesliga is back, and I mean, if I can just say so myself, like finally, it seems like I know it's only been, um, I guess, about two months, but it feels like it's been so much longer. Uh, but the Bundesliga is leading the way, bringing football back to the globe, and um, I'm super excited. But Tim, I'll go ahead and come to you for this qu- first question. I mean, how big is this for uh, the Bundesliga and even for Bayern to get back and um, kind of be the front runners and returning to action? I think it's huge. It's not at all surprising. I think Germany as a country, the infrastructure has always been there um, to you know, to see that they're like the first people to like really have everything together and can make a step to have events like this. It, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I think it's, it's really exciting. I'm, it's something that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I, th- I think for Bayern, it's great to see that, well, f- I, I guess for us, it means that like we have we have our, our podcast that we can talk about. It's elements of like speculation uh, can kind of like go down and people can like start reporting on like actual news that is definitely happening. You've got like elements of analysis that can come back. Uh, it's it's really exciting. Um, just very strange though, very strange. Yeah, Sebastian, we've talked a little bit about this off air. Um, of course, there'll be no fans in the stadiums for the rest of the season, but how much pressure is on the DFL right now to, to really get this right? That's an interesting question. Uh, I guess there's pressure from different sides here. I mean, there's definitely a huge risk involved that something goes wrong while they're trying to do this. Uh, I think it, it could still be that some of the games get cancelled this weekend. I would definitely not rule this out um, because we have, we have seen things going wrong with the testing before. We have seen this Kalua incident, so you really don't know what's going to happen, and this is going to be a, a lot of weeks, basically. So you really don't know if this is going to hold, if this is going, going to work out in the end. So that there's definitely a, a lot of pressure there, because this is going to cost a lot of money. There's also been talk about the Eurosport deal and, and whatnot. So there are just so many potential problems that could occur there. But there's also really, well... They, they cannot afford any kind of scandals like this Kalu thing anymore because there are so many people who are already skeptical of what they're doing and they're saying this is not the right time to restart the Bundesliga. Are they crazy or not? So, yeah, really a lot a lot of pressure from different sides. There's the money. The money is on the one side, definitely. They really, many of those clubs really need the money, maybe even more so in the second and, th- and third uh, league, basically. But still in the Bundesliga, it's still about the money. But also, yeah, people who are who are really really concerned about them actually even trying this. So really, 
not one-sided pressure basically, but really pressure from all sides, different directions. That's what makes this so tough, I believe. Yeah, and, and real quick, you keep referencing um, Solomon Kalu and an incident that happened with him. Uh, just for our listeners who may not be familiar with what happened, mm-hmm. why don't you go ahead and, I guess, give a brief explanation of what you're talking about. Yeah, sadly, I'm maybe not the best person to talk about this because I uh, wasn't lucky enough to see this video, but it was all over the news in Germany, and I believe it probably also made waves in other countries. I would think maybe you can talk more uh, about this. Um yeah, basically, he, he had a recording. He recorded, pro- I think, with his mobile phone uh, when they were doing the testing, and he was shaking people's hands and n- not uh, 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 doing any proper hygiene, n- not uh, playing by any rules, basically, making jokes, uh, talking about uh, internal stuff with other players even, and, yeah, just not <laughs> not uh doing the things he's supposed to do during uh, this situation and during, uh, yeah, basically during the testing. And yeah, so he, he apologized, of course, and the, the club had, 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 has put statements out. And yeah, but it's still a huge mess, of course. And I think one more of these incidents and uh, yeah, this is going to be even bigger. So I don't think anyone can afford any, anything like this anymore right now. Yeah, I think, you know, just sort of flying in the face of all the recommendations that have been made, I don't think that any club, any player can afford that. And, I mean, really, on top of it, with the Bundesliga leading the way, um, if this goes south in Germany, it could be a long time before we see any sort of football or even organized sports in general take place. So there's that little extra bit of added pressure um, on top of them. But I don't want to spend too long talking about that topic with the Bundesliga being the first comeback, Garrett, we may have some new Bayern fans listening and checking us out. Hopefully that's the case. Uh, what would, speaking to any potentially new fans, what would be your sell on them to Bayern Munich? I would say that right now is the best time in a long time to, to jump on the Bayern bandwagon because Bayern aren't so dominant that it's completely... Uh, the fair weather fanning or being a front runner or whatever you want to call it. Now you can say reasonably that Bayern are the best team in the Bundesliga, but there's all these other teams that are fighting with them for, for supremacy. Um, but, but, but now you, you can, like I said, now's a good time to latch on. Um, you have all that history with Bayern to, to look back on and, and see that they're a well-run club they're one of the best um, run clubs in the world, and um, and certainly they've had a lot of European success as well. So, um, I would just say that that right now, um, coming out of where there's not been any football played, where there's not been any sports played, um, with a Bayern team that is looking like it might be back on the rise, I would say that if you're going to get on the Bayern train, you need to do it now. Um, so that you can avoid being looked at as a complete uh, front runner or a fair weather fan uh, later, because because right now um, there's there's some some uncertainty as to whether Bayern are going to win the Bundesliga again, and um, and I don't know that that's going to be the case going forward because uh, Hansi Flick has this team looking pretty good at least prior to the to the stoppage and. Um, and so, so they could they could certainly be on the rise. 
yeah, Tim, I want to get your opinion on this as well, because I'm sure this is a question that you're used to hearing being another um, non-German Bayern fan. And uh, I guess, how would you defend against the arguments as well that, you know, kind of Garrett brought this up that if, if you're a Bayern fan, you're just in it because you want to cheer for the winner. Um, maybe you could explain why sometimes it's good to cheer for the winner or, you know, just give your defense. You know, why are you a Bayern fan? Winning's great. Like, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I'll try, I'll try and like intellectualize it a little bit more because otherwise there's no point in me being here. Um, the reason why I love Bayern so much is it's like a, it's a parental thing. My dad's been a Bayern fan since the 60s and I didn't really have much of a choice back then. I wasn't there. Um, but like the, the reason why I have such an affinity towards it now is because there are like the individual characters and in it. it's like even even guys that are still relatively new to the teams guys like guys like tiago that have still been here for like seven seven eight years now uh like, like seven years that are still that's like quite a small amount of time compared to how long i've been supporting it they add an element of it's like a really interesting flavor to the the, the football that you get to see so guys like uh like tiago when he shows up and and when Douglas Costa was there, and and even even newer guys like Alfonso Davies, there are all of these like individual storylines of you know people that have you know kind of shied away from the clubs that have created them, like in terms of like Thiago at Barcelona, which is what uh, I mentioned on the my solo podcast uh, the other week. And then you also have all of these guys like Alfonso Davies who are really really young and you know maybe have a a reputation for just being like an internet sensation which isn't necessarily a bad thing i'm sure that the super buying podcast is well on its way to becoming an internet <laughs> sensation but then on top yeah, of yeah. that the fact that he yeah it's it's going to happen eventually on top of that the fact that he is such a talented footballer and he's kind of managed to create all of this chaos of if he is that good what does that mean for david alaba what does that mean for lucas hernandez there are so many interesting elements to the club and there doesn't ever seem to be any sense of animosity. Like the whole FC Hollywood thing is very much just kind of made up by the media. There was that whole thing with Boateng and Goretzka and then within 10 minutes it was completely fine. And they said, this is really not that big a deal. Like we're professionals, etc. As a group of people that all seem to really, really love the club and love everything that comes with it. And one of the main things that comes with it is the fans. And I think we we can see that like so often with the way that the the players interact with the fans, like on, on Twitter or on Instagram, uh, and even uh, even like in the stadium during match days, like everybody is there to perform for the seventy five thousand people in the stadium and for the millions watching at home. I sounded like the Rock when I said that. That's pretty cool. Um, it's it, it is a whole spectacle that I think everybody in the Bayern team is fully invested in. And and in my eyes, you can't beat that. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, talking about the characters, talking about the fans, everything that goes on off the pitch. And if I could just add to it, um, you're not going to be watching any better football on the pitch either. Uh, Bayern Munich have some of the best players in the world, the best striker in the world, and Robert Lewandowski, um, some of the hottest young guys like Alfonso Davies, um, Serge Gnabry, Joshua Kimmich. And, you know, Hansi Flick has got this team looking incredible. I'd, I'd say going into um, this extended break, Bayern were the best team, the most efficient team in football. Uh, and I fully expect them to pick back up 
um, there as well. So if you want to be guaranteed to watch good, exciting, attacking football every time you're watching, Bayern Munich's the place to go. You can't really get any better than that. Um, But as we head back into the second half of the Bundesliga season, Bayern do have nine games left. Um, and there are some there are some tough ones left. So first we have Union Berlin, then Eintracht Frankfurt, then a big one against Dortmund, uh, then Dusseldorf, Leverkusen, Gladbach, Werder Bremen, Freiburg, and Wolfsburg. As I read those names, Sebastian, uh, what are two or three of those games that you, that really stand out to you as um, tough ones that could kind of be make or break games for Bayern Munich? Because you know, we do have a four-point lead atop the table, and it is kind of our title to lose, like Garrett said. So what games do you think are really going to define the rest of the season for Bayern? Yeah, I guess uh, the obvious thing, of course, uh, I think we all agree probably is the Dortmund game. Uh, this is prob- probably the biggest one here. Uh, this is just uh, there's just more uh, tradition to this one. Uh, than uh, playing against the other top teams in the Bundesliga right now. This is this kind of old rivalry we're having here. And yeah, it's going to be going to be very interesting to see, well, yeah, how those two teams are going to look after, after this relatively long break. Uh, so basically, it's a completely new situation. Maybe some players at Bayern are not going to be at the, uh, at the same level that they were when we left off, and maybe the, some Dortmund players are looking better than they looked before, and then this, this can be uh, quite exciting. And this is yeah, going to happen quite shortly. So this is just like, uh, I don't know, one and a half weeks from now or something like that. So this is definitely going to be the, the number one game I see there. Uh, and the other ones kind of uh, pale in comparison to this one, I would say. If I would I would have to pick uh, another one for me, that's probably Bayer Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen is always an interesting, an interesting one. They're still pretty good in, in the league, and yeah, this is also going to be a, a matchup against the team that has Kai Havertz, who we are probably not signing now, I believe. I'm also going going to be quite interested in how this is going to turn out. Yeah, the other ones are, I would say, just not as spectacular because, mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of middle-of-the-table names there. It's interesting to note that both of the games that you brought up are away games. And, you know, usually that would be a big um, detriment to Bayern, especially having mm-hmm. to face Dortmund in front of the yellow wall um, and in, in their stadium. But I guess Bayern have a little bit of an advantage now than they would have before in that they get to play those away games without any fans being in the stadium, but I do think you're spot on that with those two being uh, sort of the standout matches that Bayern have left to um, to go in this season. A couple of statistics really stand out looking at this Bayern squad, and um, we're going to talk about this for a little bit, Garrett. First, Robert Lewandowski is at 25 goals for the season, which is a pretty incredible statistic already, but it is a little bit slowed down from how he started the season. Um, he's got nine games left to break 40. If you remember... Heading into this break, Lewandowski was injured and he was going to miss a few chunk of games. But now he has nine games left to score 15 goals to at least tie the record of 40 in a season. This may be a little bit ambitious, but do you think there's a chance that he reaches that? I don't. I don't think so because, uh, like you said, nine nine games to score 15 goals seems um, a little bit daunting. I think maybe if he were, if he hadn't had that injury if he hadn't had this long layoff maybe i'd be more optimistic about his chances of of doing that i mean looking at the schedule you have um 
not too many terrible defensive teams uh, in, in in this in this run of games. Uh, I guess you could look at potentially uh, Union Berlin, um, maybe uh, Freiburg, uh, another team that that give up a lot of goals. Um, but I it, it it's going to be really really hard for him to pick up where he left off prior to his injury. Um, and 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 be able to get that many goals in, in that few games. If anybody is able to do it, if you were going to say pick one person in in football that could you know to score fifteen goals in nine games, I would pick Lewandowski. Probably also consider Messi, but but Lewandowski is probably the first name that comes to my mind, uh, especially given his form prior to his injury and prior to his layoff, but. Yeah, a little, maybe a little bit daunting uh, at this point. Well, that's the uh, that's the stat that everyone's really focused on this season is is just how great Robert Lewandowski has been at scoring goals. But one that's kind of gone under the radar is the fact that Thomas Muller is at 16 assists, and the record was set by Kevin De Bruyne a few seasons ago before he headed to Manchester City at 21. So that leaves Thomas Muller with five assists left to match it, six if he wants to set it on his own. How optimistic would you be, Garrett, about that record getting broken? I, I would be. I would almost be shocked if he doesn't break that. Um, I just, I, he, he's been so good this year. And again, I mean, you have to figure in the fact that they've had this long layover. Um, but six assists in nine games doesn't seem like that much at all, um, especially when you have Lewandowski on the other end of things. I, I mean, I would back. Lewandowski to score seven or eight goals at the very least over the course of these next, you know, so many games. So I would guess that Muller would probably be on the end of what, four of those at, at a minimum. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that just leaves, you just got to find two other ones. It feels pretty likely. Um, Obviously anything can happen, but, but it feels pretty likely we're going to, we're going to see a new assist record. Yeah, definitely. I would I would agree as well. If I had to uh, bet on one of them to break the record, it would definitely be Thomas Muller. Because like you said, if Lewandowski is going to be scoring 15 goals, you can assume that Thomas Muller is assisting anywhere between 8 to 10 of those. So you're not really going to have one happening without the other, uh, bar some sort of insignif- or significant injury. Uh, the last time we all talked as a group, actually, Thomas Muller had just signed a contract. Um, and we were expecting... Tiago, David Alaba, maybe even Manuel Neuer to be falling shortly after him. But, uh, Tim, none of those players have come after, despite a lot of reports saying that Tiago was was on the verge of making that, uh, putting his signature on a new contract. Yeah, I did see that report yeah, that it was going to be announced. I, don't I, know. I thought you might, I don't know what's going on there. you might have seen that. Do you think at this point there's worry that, you know, maybe they're not going to get that extension or there's something going on behind the scenes, maybe... They, the board is waiting to see how they play out these next few games. What do you make of that situation? I don't think there's any anything to worry about. I think I enjoy the fact that Thiago hasn't signed his extension or it hasn't been announced for extremely selfish reasons. I'd love to see him sign like a four-year extension and stay like well into his 30s. Um, but for my own quite spiteful reasons, I'm kind of happy. Um, but I don't think there's anything that's going to necessarily prohibit that happening 
I think between Thiago and, and Neuer and Alaba, there's really only one player that I think would be you know, something of concern if he doesn't extend, and that's that's Alaba. I think Neuer is more than like, because even there's all of the debate whether it's like he wants to sign is it five years, but Bayern only wants to give him three years mm-hmm. or something like that. I think there's still this element of agreement that's saying like, okay, let's try and find a compromise. I think everybody is is positive about that. At least that's kind of what I can interpret from quite like one-sided media reports. I think with Alaba, there's a lot more, it's, it's a little bit more dubious because you don't really know exactly what's going on. And as, especially as I mentioned earlier with uh, with guys like Fonzi and Lucas Hernandez able to play as left backs, that really does kind of like raise a couple of questions to say, okay, is Alaba, who's been a fantastic centre-back, does that keep him at centre-back? Does he want to move back to left back like there's all these reports that he's always wanted to play in midfield is that going to happen like we've had it with Kimmich like maybe it can happen with with Alaba I think if anybody was going to leave or or even not sign an extension I think it's probably him but I'd be I'd be absolutely devastated if that doesn't happen and I'm not confident that it will happen um I, I just don't think that there's anything to necessarily worry about that there isn't any news uh, at the moment because like for all we know it may well have happened already and they just haven't taken the photos yet you know just like you, you have to do like the press release for these sort of things I don't think there's anything to worry about I do think I think you're right that Alaba more than the other two is the one that should be uh, paid the most attention to I think that I would be surprised if Tiago hasn't already at least come to some sort of verbal agreement with the club to, to extend his contract um, with David Alaba almost think we may be at the um maybe at the stage where he's sort of seeing how much he's worth to the club you know so maybe how often is he going to be used under Hansi Flick where is he going to play under Hansi Flick and you know it's kind of coming down to the moment of okay if if I'm someone you want to keep here an academy product who's been here for so long um and you know I want to experience these um these other clubs potentially go abroad you know what am I worth to you to be able to to stay here and be kept um and so, you know, that's the sort of questions that have to be weighing up in, in his mind. And uh, I guess my hopes would be that the club are telling him, you're worth a lot. Stay here. Don't leave us. But um, he is also someone whose positions we do sort of have covered. So it is sort of a, uh, a weird situation um, with him. While we're talking about the squad, Sebastian, we all agreed uh, about a month or so ago that Corentin Taliso is a player that we wanted to or kind of expected to at least um, be sold in the summer. Now, he was recently injured again and went through a surgery, and it now looks like he won't even recover until August, maybe even September, so he probably won't be sold in the summer. Do you think this is going to have any sort of impact on Bayern's transfer plans? Yeah, this is pretty likely, I would say. It is, I think, pretty much off the table selling him now. Uh, corona uh, was already a blow to that, I believe. Because, yeah, money is just not going to be as easily spread around this transfer window, I believe. Then you don't know. We still don't know how it's going to work with contracts. Are they actually going to run out by the end of June and what's, uh, and, and so on. So there's just, there's just so many things we don't know yet, which is probably going to make uh, some actors on the, on the transfer market rather conservative, I would say. So... Yeah, we probably cannot expect to get a lot of. Uh, we we probably wouldn't have been able to expect a lot of money for him in the first place. 
uh, with this whole corona situation. But yeah, this is obviously way worse now. It's not very likely that somebody is going to give us a lot of money for a player. Uh, you don't know when he's going to recover and how exactly he's going to recover. So there's really not 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 much of a point in trying to sell him now, really. And of course, uh, this will obviously somewhat change who we might sign there, I believe, because yeah, this is obviously going to mean that we are be we are going to be kind of uh, not so eager uh, to sign someone for the midfield because we are going to say, okay, we definitely have uh, Tuliso still on the squad. There, there's no way we're going going to uh, going to sell him now. So, all right, we're probably not going to get another number six or something like that, which is all right because I don't think we need a new number six. So, yeah, but there's definitely going going to be an impact. We can already see anyway that Bayern is yeah tr- probably not signing as many players as we would have hoped before. They also have been uh, way more conservative now than uh, than it seemed before this whole situation. So, yeah, I guess it's a bit tough to say how much of these changes, uh, of the changes we are probably going to see, uh, will be due to the Toliso situation and how much is just going to be the overall situation, I would say. That's uh, the only thing there. Yeah, it definitely. I would agree. It definitely alters the plan somehow. Um Garrett, what do you think this means for Javi Martinez and Jerome Boateng? Two players who aren't quite um, at the, the age level as Quantum to so wouldn't have brought in as much money, but definitely two players who kind of seemed like they were on their way out this summer. Uh, what do you think this whole scenario has meant for them and, and their future? You know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think that um, it, it may help, uh, I, I don't know, depending on whether they want to go or leave. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Boateng sticks around another year, actually. Um, just because, number one, with the way he had been playing um, prior to the pause, and then um, and then also just as a center back, and, and, and still pretty decent center back, he's probably going to command a little bit more money, I would guess, than uh, Javi Martinez might um for example, but I could still see Javi moving along because, um, because Bayern aren't really using him a whole lot. Um, even, you know, even, even with, with some injuries at center back or, um, wanting to move, uh, Joshua Kimmich around the pitch. Uh, it seems like Javi's kind of at the end of his Bayern career. And, um, I wouldn't be, surprised if uh Bayern are still are willing to kind of take less for him to be for him to be able to move along and 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 play uh some regular minutes somewhere else but um I I guess uh I don't know how you guys feel about it but I I I I would think that Boateng's probably probably staying around now yeah I, I would assume so as well um especially which we'll talk about this in a second, especially given that Bayern seem to have changed their transfer plans. If, if, um, for example, Dale Upamecano is no longer on the table or on the cards for the summer, then we're going to want to have that extra backup in Jerome Boateng at center back. Or, you know, if he keeps playing the way he was playing before, an extra potential starter at center back. So, yeah, I would agree that um, 
it definitely seems like he is going to stick around. It doesn't seem like he's in any sort of hurry to leave. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think I remember him saying something along the, those lines within the past few weeks. Um, so yeah, I can definitely definitely see it affecting him to where he stays. And I mean, Javi Martinez, I guess it's sort of the same thing, but he has, I don't even know the last time that he played um, for Bayern. So Tim, it, it seemed like you were about to say something on the topic, so I'll go ahead and let you go. Yeah, I think just on the topic of Jerome Boateng, I, I think I might have said this once or twice before. He's not a player that I think deserves to be to like get that sort of post online to say like, oh, Boateng's going here. Um, thanks for everything. Round of applause, and then he's off. I think he came to Bayern two thousand and two thousand and eleven. I think yeah, it was two thousand eleven twelve was his first season was instrumental in getting us to the to the final of the Champions League. I, I believe that competition was actually scrapped and a winner wasn't declared that year. Right. And then he was just as instrumental the following year um, and was and continued to become better and better to the point where he very quite clearly obviously we're all going to be biased but I think it was he was certainly in contention to be the best defender in the world. Um, I think so many people will always bring up what happened against Messi and he's even going to he has defended himself to say it's Messi it would be weird if that didn't happen to me I think he's the way that he has has played for Bayern the way that he's represented the club the way that he's um, also represented the country as well he has been that good and yeah he did fall off um, a few times and has has made a couple of mistakes and struggled with injury and fitness the fact that he was so instrumental in the Champions League, the World Cup, any successes that we've had in the past uh, almost 10 years, well, like seven or eight years, he has been so crucial to it. I think he deserves to go out, much like in the same way that Ribéry and Robin did. Um, they, he deserves to go out on a, on a massive high note. I would like to see him you know, stay until the end of his contract so he... So you know that his last game for Bayern is definitely his last game, and he can get the the plaudits that he, in my eyes, like quite thoroughly deserves. I I, I always think back to guys like Claudio Marchisio at Juventus, who were there for years and years and years. He was there for like fifteen years, maybe or maybe a bit less. And then they said, "Oh, he's gone to he's gone to Zenit. Um, best of luck." And it's almost just like sweeping him under the rug. I think that's something that I'll always love most about Bayern which I realize I probably could have brought up earlier when talking about how to sell that to potential neutrals is that the the care that the club shows for these players um is at at times it seems unmatched um and so I, I would love to see him go out on a on a high note yeah I I think that you're right it would be nice to see someone like him leave um in a, in a respectful manner, I guess, and see him treated the way that he deserves. But uh, moving on for the sake of time, we'll speak very quickly about the transfer market because last time we talked, it kind of seems like seemed like Bayern Munich's summer plans were sort of up in the air. They wanted to buy several players, four to five. The reports were saying they didn't know whether they'd focus on Kai Havertz, Leroy Sané, Timo Werner. Uh, and since then, Everything now suggests that Bayern really only want to buy two players. In fact, um, I think it was Hassan Salihamidzic not that long ago said, we want to buy a top star and we want to buy a young talent. 
and all the reports are suggesting that Leroy Sané is easily the front runner. Timo Werner has publicly sort of distanced himself from Bayern Munich, almost um, in you know for all effects ruling himself out of that transfer. Uh, Sebastian, if Leroy Sané is to become the top target, I'm obviously coming to you because of how we know you feel about that. Um, if Bayern are really about to get him for somewhere around 60 million euros, surely you'd have to agree that's a good deal, like an incredibly good deal for a player of his caliber. Actually, I think 60 is even a bit steep uh, because, I mean, not not that I say it's, it's, uh, it's too much. Uh, what I'm saying is, uh, from what I gather, 50 is actually uh, what the club is asking right now. So uh, what I, from what I heard, Bayern is saying is saying 40 and City is saying 50. So I think 60 is even off the table by now. And yeah, I mean, there's a huge caveat here, of course, uh, and this is uh, the whole Corona situation again. It is really tough to, to judge what, what a player of that level is actually worth right now because the the transfer market basically hasn't yet recalibrated, if you will. It is very much uh, up in the air now what, what's going to be an appropriate price in this upcoming transfer window. But yeah, of course. I mean, this is like a third, probably a third of what we we used to be looking at in, in terms of a price tag like half a year ago or something, or maybe a year ago. So yeah, you cannot you can't really argue with, with like 45 or 50 million here. That would be ridiculous because otherwise it's definitely just not not worth selling him for anyone. So hmm. I believe in terms in terms of money, you you really can't argue with that. Of course, it's still from my perspective a huge shame how this whole Werner situation uh, has turned out. So uh, yeah, th- this is just frustrating, but this is what it is. I, I cannot really blame Timo Werner for that. Uh, and I think w- when he when he talked about this, he made it relatively clear between the lines that he was a bit uh, yeah, disappointed by how Bayern treated this whole situation. So, yeah, as I said, I, I really can't, can't blame him for that. And with Havertz, it's just, yeah, I, I think uh, Leverkusen is just planning uh, to look for, uh, to, to look, uh, to, to sell him a year later and just let this whole uh, Corona situation play out and hoping, yeah, they're probably getting twice the money they would get right now. I can also understand that. And so, yeah, Sene is what we are probably left with here. Well, you know, obviously I'm not too upset by that at all. I've been a big fan of Leroy Sané for a long time, and I am more than ready to see him at Bayern Munich. Um, But he's only one of the players that Bayern are apparently considering. The other one most people would suggest, and I think that um, this is definitely the case, is American right-back Serginho Dest. So, Garrett, if, if Sané and Dest are the only two players signed this summer, and of course we're still you know a couple months away from the window even being open, um, but if it's Dest and Sané, considering the situation and everything that's going in, how happy would you be with, with that haul for the summer? I'd be thrilled. Um, just Dest alone would be thrilling for me, just because American player. Um, but... I uh, but I think that would be great because um, we've been wanting to them to get a, a, a proper right back um, for ever now, and um, so that would be fantastic. Um, the only the only thing that gives me pause on the Sane thing is that they can have him for free next summer, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be signing a new deal um, with Manchester City. The the way I kind of uh, get over that that you know 
un- unnervy bit there is is just that we don't want it to happen like the Timo Werner situation did last summer, where we could have had Timo Werner for I think it was thirty five mm-hmm. last season, and and it was like oh well we'll just wait till his contract runs down, and then lo and behold, contract gets extended. He you know goes and now he's got he has an amazing season. He has other other options. So if they can get him for, I mean, even if they go the full 50, um, that man, man city's, um, reportedly wanting, and then they get, uh, Dest for, you know, 25, uh, you know, 25 feels steep given how, um, values seem to be dropping according to a lot of sources. But again, I think we've been asking for a, a right back, um, that, does the kind of things that that we're used to seeing uh, Joshua Kimmich do. I'm not saying that Serginho Dest is going to be the next Joshua Kimmich or Philip Lom or whatever, but uh, he's he's an offensive-minded uh, right back, and uh, and he's an American, which is uh, fantastic uh, from from my perspective, and I know yours too, uh, Ben, to to think that there could be a player on the U.S. men's national team that also plays for Bayern um, is pretty cool. And hopefully he's, hopefully he's, he's great for Bayern as well. But um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be thrilled with that, with coming away from a summer transfer window with just Sané and, uh, and Dest. I think that'd be, that'd be a fantastic uh, window given all the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would have to agree, especially like you said, if the prices are right, if they are lower, um, this could work out really well for Bayern Munich. But uh, as we start to wrap up, I want to look specifically at this Sunday's game against Union Berlin, uh, where Bayern will be traveling to Union Berlin. Obviously, no fans will be in the stadium, so that stadium will lose a lot of its luster. Uh, but Tim, Bayern's first game back in a long time, but they have been practicing for a while. Do you expect them to come out looking rusty or all cylinders firing, ready to go, ready to finish out this season? I think this is going to be a great example of the difference between the team that's at the top and a team that's you know, regularly at the bottom or in the lower league. I think it will come down to conditioning, like a mental aptitude. I can imagine the the fitness regimen and the general training regime uh, that Bayern will have been going through would have prepared them for something as abstract as this. Not to say that the guys from Union Berlin are going to be just thinking, oh, it will just be the same. We can take two months off and nothing will be different. Um it's going to be really quite strange. I I can imagine that if if anything was to happen, my my prediction would be Bayern would be clearly head and shoulders above the rest. But I really I think this would be like a very long way from the Bayern that we that we saw last time. So for the sake of time, we'll skip a, a starting eleven prediction, but. I guess for any new listeners we have, Sebastian, if you had to, and we'll go to everyone, if you had to give one player for the new listener to watch, um, who would that be and why? For me, uh, if you're a really, really completely, uh, if you're a really uh, new listener and if you are maybe one of those people who haven't haven't watched uh, a lot of football before or not, not have, uh, haven't watched a lot of Bundesliga football before, and you're now uh, t- turning the t- turning to uh, turning to this channel and see okay let's let's uh, watch this Bundesliga thing a little bit and see what what's what here. I would definitely say have a look at, at Alfonso Davies uh, because he's just so spectacular. 
Uh, I think that's just the the player you, you I would say you can easily see even if you're not an expert on the Bundesliga or not even an, ex an expert on, on football at all. You can definitely see that he's just a special kind of player. And of course, I also need to mention Thomas Müller again <laughs> because uh, I'm just so happy that he's uh, playing at this level right now. And I definitely hope that he's breaking the record we talked about before. But this is really uh, a thing that pr it's probably not uh, jumping right at you. You probably have to watch a little bit closer to see how great this player is. So, yeah, these are just my two polar opposites here, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Those are two about as opposite as, as it can get. Um, one of them definitely stands out with his, with his flash, with his speed, and the other one's a lot more subtle in what he does. But both are incredibly influential players. Uh, Garrett, what about you? For me, it has to be... Thomas Muller, just from a standpoint of um, if you want to get an idea of what Bayern is, well, who Bayern Munich is, we've talked about it before. Thomas Muller is Bayern Munich um, and has been for a little while now. And so I think if, from a standpoint of trying to get a personality of, of who Bayern is or what they have been at least, um, Thomas Muller is the guy. Um, I think uh, there, I think you have to how can you not watch Robert Lewandowski, um, you know, up top of, on this Bayern squad and, and scoring goals and, um, and just some of the little things that he does really well. Um, we've talked a lot too about how he's kind of changed his game a little bit over the course of this year in being more of a, um, not as selfish player and, and being willing to kind of do some of the, the hard things that a lot of, uh, strikers uh, Lewandowski included um, in the past don't do um, and I think he's just so skilled I think that he's a player that um, especially new fans could really latch on to and see um, as an exciting player that they're gonna they're gonna want to keep an eye a close eye on every week um, and and so yeah those would be the, the if I had to pick two I would say I, I would say maybe Kimmich I'd add also just as 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 far as you know this is Kimmich kind of seems like the guy that going forward will eventually become the new um not exactly but the new Thomas Muller and in, in, in the sense that he's kind of gonna be the personality of the club um or the heart of it anyway um so those those would be some guys that I would just mention right off the bat all right Tim anyone to add to that um, it's. I think it's the same as what you guys have, have all said. If you want to see what Thomas Muller actually is, um, I think he gets a really bad reputation for being like a tapping merchant. He's so much more than that. Um, he's a really exciting player to watch, and I think if you have, if you've been watching Liverpool, watch Alfonso Davies, because in my eyes, that's the best left back in the world. <laughs> You can forget. You can leave your Andy Robertson at the door. Alfonso Davies. I'm saying it. The best left back in the world. There it is, folks. What a claim. not even biased. No bias at all. <laughs> Completely unbiased opinion. Um, Tim, I'm I'm sort of surprised you didn't bring up Thiago. So I'll go ahead and give him a special mention. Oh yeah. I think for any neutral who watches the game, Thiago is going to be a standout player because, quite simply, he is the most elegant midfielder in the world. He's silky smooth on the ball. Everything he does just looks nice. I mean, he when even when he turns the ball over, you're like, well, I mean, 
it looks good. I wish I could turn the ball over and look that good when, while doing it. Um, so Thiago, it's so hard. Yeah, Thiago is definitely a player to watch as well. Other than that, the guys all um, all mentioned players that are that are worthy of watching. And I mean, honestly, we could have could have gone down pretty much the the Bayern Munich squad list and and given a reason as to why each and every uh, one of those players are worth worth keeping an eye on. But I expect a big win for Bayern coming back, even if they don't look at their best. I can't imagine Union Berlin are going to come out and uh, just be some spectacular team. But no matter what, the Bundesliga is back this weekend and Bayern Munich are back as well. But that's all the time that we have for this one. So if you've enjoyed listening or if you're a regular fan of the podcast, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at SuperByronPod. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, all of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're going to be there. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell all your friends, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>